You like that title? <laughs> Let's just bow our hearts for a word of prayer. Elohe Avraham, Elohe Yitzhak, Elohe Yaakov, Elohe Yeshua Mishikainu, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, and God of, our, of Yeshua, our Messiah. We thank you, we bless you, and we love you with all our heart, God. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are awesome in wonders, Lord, that you're awesome in our lives, and that, Lord, you daily, Lord, help us and give us strength, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear today, Lord, that you would encourage our hearts, Father, that as we, Lord, navigate through these troubled times uh, in world history, Father, that you would strengthen us and give us wisdom and your anointing to overcome. And we ask you, Peshem Yeshua Mishikenu, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Um, the title is The Good, the Bad, and the Delivered, and it's from Acts chapter 16. Um, so if you have a tree book and you want to make your way there, you can, or if you have your uh, scriptures on your iPhone, your iPad, you could do that, or you could follow along on the screen. Just want to say a shout out to Grace who's visiting. It's good to see her. Mazel tov. Amen. Good. Give her a quick hug. Um, you know, our walk with God can be interesting to say the least. Amen. As each of us can no doubt attest, it's not for the faint of heart. I have found that there are seasons that each of us go through in our walk with God. Some seasons we love and feel the nearness of God, and let's face it, some we loathe, and we feel like God is nowhere to be found. Understanding this can make the difference between giving up on God and others or powering through to victory. How many of you know that God's plan for us is to power through to victory? Right? God doesn't want us to be defeated or feel defeated. He wants us to grab hold of his promises and power through to victory. You know, Kohela chapter 3, a passage we're very, very familiar with says this, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, and a time to lose a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. You know, when read as a whole, we say, oh, there's a season for everything. But when you start to narrow some of those down individually, I don't know about you, my reaction is, go. Because those seasons, when they're upon us, some are fun, and some aren't. And it's the seasons 
of life that we go through. But more importantly, it's the way we go through them. And here in Acts chapter 16, there is a tremendous picture for us in the journeys of Rav Shaul that we're going to look at in a moment. The psalmist wrote, weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Isn't that good news? You ever felt that? You ever felt like you're in a season of weeping? But God says, but joy comes in the morning. And that's the good news. You know, with God, he is always working for our good. And you know what? Like a good father, he doesn't always shield us from the challenges of life. He doesn't always shield us from the bad things. He allows us to move through them, and he teaches us and he strengthens us. You see, the psalmist understood that there are seasons of sadness and seasons of joy. In our passage today, we will look at a small sampling from Rav Shaul's life and prayerfully be encouraged to embrace each season life throws our way and to do the right things in each season so that we can be all that God wants us to be. The first season is the good season. We like that one, don't we? Woo! The good You see, and we're going to read from uh, verse 9 in in Acts chapter 16. There a vision appeared to Shaul at night. A man from Macedonia was standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. It's called the Macedonian call. As soon as he had seen the vision, we lost no time getting ready to leave for Macedonia, for we concluded that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. Sailing from Troas, we made a straight run to Samothrace, and the next day we went to Neapolis, and from there we went on to Philippi, a Roman colony and a leading city in that part of Macedonia. We spent a few days in this city, then on Shabbat we went outside the gate to the riverside where we understood a minion met. We sat down and began speaking to the woman who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia a dealer in fine purple cloth. She was already a God-fearer, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to what Shaul was saying. After she and the members of her household had been immersed, she gave us this invitation. If you consider me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay in my house. And she insisted till we went. Here we have Rav Shaul having a vision from God, and in that vision... Think about this. There is a man begging him to come and tell them the good news of the Besorah. I mean, that is awesome. Could you imagine getting a phone call from one of your family members who, who, who is maybe far away from the Lord? And they start begging you over the phone, please, please come over and share with me what you know about Yeshua the Messiah. How would you feel? You would feel pretty fantastic. This is a good day in the kingdom of God. This is awesome. Shaul is stoked. And he says immediately they, they wasted no time to ready themselves to go. It's a good season to be in when all's going good. People begging for our help and wanting to hear the things we have to say about the message of Messiah. Like Shaul, this is a time that we need to act upon immediately, and he does. He doesn't waste any time. This is good things happening in our lives, and he immediately seizes the opportunity. 
As one person said, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. Don't wait on it. Begin to walk through those doors. As soon as he's seen the vision, we lost no time getting ready to leave. For we concluded that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. A few things to note about acting upon what God is saying. First, we need to act immediately. Do you know what? Windows of opportunity don't last forever. God gives seasons of opportunity and he opens doors. And quite frankly, we need to swiftly move through those doors and take advantage of those opportunities. And for that, we need to be sensitive, as these folks were, to the Spirit of God. Um, But secondly, that there is an agreement that this is indeed God. It says that we concluded. He didn't say he concluded. He said, we concluded that this vision was from God. It was submitted to the leadership. And the leadership being accountable to them concluded, yes, it's God. Let's act immediately. And so they acted in accordance with confirmation from leadership. God always does it that way. Matter of fact, is another section in Acts where it says, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Ruach Kodesh said, set apart for me Barnabas and Shaul for the work to which I've called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed, again, they, as a leadership team, they laid their hands on them and they sent them out. They didn't just go on their own. They were sent out and it was confirmed. Awesome thing. God's moving. It was concluded. Yes, God is moving. Let's act. So we see that they acted quickly, yet they were in agreement and in unity. This is truly a great season of God when it appears that everything is going just like God has promised. And this passage, it gets better. Look what it says. After Shaul gets over to Philippi in Macedonia and goes down to the riverside looking for a minion, right, which is traditionally 10 men so they could have a service, right, a prayer service, Um, because, again, traditionally the synagogues were constructed near the riverside so they could have a place to do mikvah. Um, Historians and scholars tell us they don't believe that there was actually a synagogue there, but it was, again, a place where there would be comfortable meeting for prayer. And so... Here he goes down and he finds a woman, a God-fearer, as a part of this minion. And these people are eager to hear what, what, what Shaul says. And he tells them about the Messiah. And they come to faith. And the whole household gets immersed. I mean, friends, this is fruit falling off of the proverbial tree. All he did so far was obey. He just went over. They confirmed it with the leadership. They go and... They got one here. They're catching the fruit. Awesome. This is, this is like the way we want it to go, right? Don't you want it to happen like that? Right next high holidays when you sit and have a meal with the family and you tell them about Yeshua and they start saying, I want to believe, I want to believe, I want to believe, I want to believe. 
And you lead them all to faith right there. Isn't that something? Right at Rosh Hashanah did, right between the apples and the honey. Wouldn't that be sweet, truly? This is real. This happened. This is awesome. This is the good. People responding and receiving from the best. These are times to treasure. Times when things go just like the Bible reads. These are certainly times that should strengthen our faith. And I want to tell you, you need to tell these testimonies often. And to everyone you can. These testimonies are going to help you in future days. And don't get, we get duped by the enemy into thinking, well, that's an old testimony. Ricardo, let me ask you a question to which you don't have to respond. Is it going to ever get old telling the testimony of God saving your life and doing a miracle in your life? I don't think that's ever going to get old for him, and it should never get old for us, to tell a story of God's miracle-working power. Because it's those stories that encourage us when things get tough. There are seasons that help us to continue on when things get tough and life gets challenging. It's these seasons where everything's going great. This principle could be seen throughout the Tanakh and even in our annual celebration of Pesach, right? We're told to remember what? What are we remembering in Pesach? How God has delivered us from bondage, right? As Messianic Jews, how God has delivered us from bondage and the sin of the world through the perfect atonement of Yeshua the Messiah. Wow, how awesome is that? But how quickly we forget of the blessing of even salvation. Friends, there should not be a sour puss on the face of any believer ever when we realize that, you know what, before Messiah, we were bound to an eternity separated from God. But by his grace and mercy, he spared our lives. That alone, I don't care what we're going through, that alone should put a smile on our face. Remembering what God has done in the past is important to grasp so that we could have faith in what he will do in the future. Someone wrote, sometimes we as believers need to stop along life's road and look back. You know, for the Holocaust, we say zachor, remember. And we remember for the purpose that it should never happen again. But we could also look back on good times in our life, and as I'm sure Shaul did many times on this occasion, to remember about the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, that God is moving and changing lives. And although it might have been Winding and steep, we could see how God directed us by his faithfulness. F.E. Marsh described what the believer can see when he looks back. He can see the deliverance the Lord has wrought. You've been delivered. I've been delivered. He could see the way that God has led. And don't you know, God doesn't always lead us the most direct route to our destination. 
we could see the blessings he has bestowed along the way. Could you imagine that God sustained the Israelites, our people, in the desert? He gave them water from a rock. When's the last time you had a big drink of water from a rock? In the desert. When's the last time you opened your door and found food on the ground that you could eat? Every day. Ladies, that means no shopping. Baruch Hashem. That means just collecting. God did it. Every day. For 40 years. Never failing. Water from a rock? Food on the front yard? Remembering those blessings. Also remembering the victories that he's won. God has given us each victories in our life. Those victories are why you're here today. Those victories are what makes you you. The enemy would love you to forget every victory and only concentrate on every defeat. And I'm sure we have defeats as well. But God would like us to remember the victories that he has wrought on our behalf. And it's those things that are going to help us in challenging times. And then the last thing he says, the encouragements that God has given. Friend, I want to say this. I don't know where each of you are at in your personal walk with God, but listen to me, and I want to say it strongly. I beg you, I urge you, I implore you with all that's within me, have personal daily devotions with God where you can actually come out of the time, whether it's 10 minutes or 10 hours, and say that God spoke to my heart and encouraged me. I see far too many believers walking around discouraged. Friends, I get it. Life is tough. Life is challenging, and in this present climate, I don't see it getting any less challenging. But I know this. For my life personally, when things are tough, the only thing that comforts me is hearing God from his word. Hearing God encourages our hearts. Friend, we need to get that daily. When we face difficulties, we sometimes forget God's past faithfulness. We see only the detours and the dangerous path. But look back and you will also see the joy of victory, the challenge of the climb. And the presence of your traveling companion, Yeshua, who has promised never to leave you and never to forsake you. So that's the good. Isn't that awesome? And listen, if I could have one request granted to me before heaven now, I would say, God, give all my mishpacha here, all my friends, only good seasons. And wouldn't that be awesome? And you would say, Amen, Rabbi. What a mensch. I pray that prayer comes true. (laughs) And though I would love that to be true, the reality is, there's a few other seasons you and I will travail through. And 
the truth is, though, the good season prepares us for my second point, which is the bad. Let's continue to read. Once when we were going to the place where the minion gathered. So now think about this. Shaul is going back to that wonderful, awesome, beautiful place. That place where fruit from God just fell off the tree into his lap. And people are saying, how can I know this Messiah and tell my family and let's all get immersed and get happy in God. He's going back to that place. We were met by a slave girl, however, this time, who had in her a snake spirit that had enabled her to predict the future. She earned a lot of money for her owners by telling fortunes. This girl followed behind Shaul and the rest of us and kept screaming, These men are servants of God Helion. They're telling you how to be saved. She kept this up day after day until Shaul, greatly disturbed, turned and said to the spirit, in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, I order you to come out of her. And the spirit did come out at that very moment. So picture this. Shaul is cruising along, all is well, like we just addressed. But what would it be to to appear to be just another day and more of the same favor of God turns out to be different and not in a good way. Shaul and his team are being followed by now a demon spirit and they're being harassed and harangued by a demonic entity. The good turned into now the bad. And now here he is in the same place of blessing, in the same place of fruit. He finds himself in a hellish way. And I want to say this to everyone in our hearing. Hell is real. Demon spirits and forces are behind all the ills of mankind. Of course, in cooperation with our will, that God never circumvents our will. But demon spirits are behind war. Demon spirits are behind genocide and anti-Semitism and infirmity and disease and every nasty thing you could name. And it's real. You and I are facing it. And the funny thing is that we see in this picture that demon spirits work through people. They influence real people that do things like this. And what we further see from this passage, if you just look at that passage for a minute, the things that that spirit was saying don't even seem to be necessarily terrible things, do they? These are men from God, Ha'el Yon, the Most High. What's wrong with that? Well, it wasn't necessarily what she was saying, but it was the spirit in how she was saying it that Shaul knew that there's something funny in Sion. Something's just not all right. And he knew that what was happening here was not of God. And so here he does now addresses this woman. Thank God for the power of God. He rebukes the spirit, casts it out. And are we back to good days now? Right? He took care of the issue. He did the right thing. He did what God said to do. Turn around, address it, rebuke it, cast it out. He did. 
Do good days follow? No. And my point to us is you might do all the right things. It doesn't guarantee that things turn around immediately. You might do all the right things. Say all the right words, pray all the right prayers, believe in the right way. But in Shaul's case, something's still amiss. So Shaul deals with the issue. He takes a stand for God. Let's face it. He has a lot to lose by addressing this thing, doesn't he? He has a lot to lose. This, this woman is being used. She's a source of income for the town, for the economy. He has a lot to lose. He understands, I'm sure, if he rebukes this thing, what's going to happen? But that doesn't dissuade him from doing the right thing, does it? I'm going to do the right thing. This is not of God. It's demonic. I rebuke it. Cast it out. Okay. And it's not unlike our current situation as the people of God amidst the ungodly nation, by the way. I'm going to tell you right now, you are going to be persuaded to give a little wink-wink and a nod-nod to things that are ungodly. You are in days ahead. And you, like me, are going to have to make a decision. Do we do the politically correct things or do we take a stand for God? I'm going to tell you right now, taking a stand for God doesn't mean all our woes are going to go away. But it's the right thing to do. One commentator writes two observations. One opposition. Luke writes that the emissaries are on their way to the place of prayer. In the Greek, he says the prayer, which refers to the act of praying and not necessarily a meeting place. Wherever the kehilah develops, Satan tries to obstruct the work of God's servants. For instance, in Samaria, Simon the sorcerer offered Kepha and Yochanan money to obtain the gift of the Holy Spirit, did he? Not. Elemis opposed Rav Shaul and Barnaba by trying to persuade the proconsul Sergius Paulus not to believe in Yeshua. Again, demonic influence. Likewise, in Philippi, Satan uses a demon-possessed girl to thwart the work of the emissaries. And on the place, to the place of prayer, the slave girl who has a spirit of divination meets the emissaries. In the Greek, Luke writes that she has a spirit called Python. It's a spirit of divination. It's a demon spirit. It's a stronghold of hell. Because we know, don't we, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. There was nothing wrong with the girl intrinsically. She's just a human being, a vessel that God redeemed eventually right through Shaul, cast out the spirit. But there was a spirit behind that thing that is as real as you and I sit and stand here today was opposing the work of God the word python referred to the legendary snake that guarded the Delphic oracle a sanctuary in central Greece but was slain by the god of prophecy Apollo in myth 
But you know, those myths sometimes are products of real demonic activity. In later years, the term denoted a spirit of divination that dwelled in a medium. And that's why we don't encourage several things as a Messianic Jewish synagogue. You know, um, we don't encourage that you participate in fortune-telling and mediums and tarot cards and things of the like. And I know I can hear you saying, oh, yeah, absolutely not. But, you know, that also includes... Jewish mysticism like Kabbalah and the like, which also has sorcery and witchcraft elements in that as well. Um, That should be taboo for the people of God because Devarim addresses that specifically, that we are not to make um, conversation with the dead or, you know, divining spirits or mediums and the like. We are to stay away from those things, and we need to do it. This girl was an instrument of demons who used her as a mouthpiece, and she was a lucrative source of income for her owners. The second thing he says is acknowledgement. The slave girl follows the emissary, shouting loudly, and she informs the public the identity of Rav Shaul. And it was probably done, obviously, by the reaction of Shaul, not with the right motive, but with a motive to kind of warn them and say, don't believe in what they're saying. These are the ones, you know, that have come from across the way and, you know, speaking of the Messiah, Yeshua. But what we learn from this passage is that as fast as God began to move in this city, the demonic assault came in to oppose. Isn't that something? As fast as God moved and as glorious as it was, is as swift as the enemy came in to oppose. Shaul does not hesitate to speak the truth, but rebukes the unclean spirit. He wasn't wishy-washy saying, gee, you know, what she's saying isn't so bad. Maybe I'll leave it alone. No, he rebukes the unclean spirit swiftly. And I want to tell you, we shouldn't hesitate either. We shouldn't hesitate either. Friends, if they were dealing with demonic spirits 2,000 years ago, what do you think we're facing? Do you think it is anything other than demonic that in the past four years, okay, you went from having an occasional show that would reference homosexual activity or relationships to almost every single solitary show on TV? Is that natural and happenstance? I think not. It is spiritual and it is demonic. And you and I need to be ready spiritually to address things that come our way, that come to our homes, that show up on the doorstep of our businesses. You need to be ready to deal with things that are going to happen in your workplace. You need to be ready to do and take the stand like Rav Shaul here, even in the midst of bad things, even understanding bad consequences could be had. 
I don't know if you follow um, Dr. Brown on the internet at all, but I tell you what, you have to give him props and kudos for standing for righteousness. You got to give him kudos for standing for righteousness. It's an unpopular word today. It is an unpopular word. But it's the word of the Lord, you know. The enemy is always looking to work his way in and cause a disruption to the kingdom of God. So even though Shaul did the right thing, the God thing, it seemed to get worse for him and his companions. Look what it says. But when her owners saw that what had come out was any further prospect of profit for them, they seized Shaul and Silah and dragged them to the market square to face the authorities. Bringing them to the judges, they said, these men are causing a lot of trouble in our city since they are Jews. And now they play the Jew card, right, on these guys. And what they are doing is advocating customs that are against the law for us to accept or practice since we are Romans. The mob joined in the attack against them and the judges tore their clothes off them and ordered that they be flogged, P.S., which is not a small word, flogged. They were beaten severely. After giving them a severe beating, they threw them in prison, charging the jailer to guard them securely. Upon receiving such an order, he threw them into the inner cell and clamped their feet securely between heavy blocks of wood. So they are beaten and flogged and then thrown into jail and put into stocks, all for doing the right thing, all for doing the God thing, all for opposing evil. Look where they end up. In our walk with God, we will no doubt come under intense attack and assault inspired by the forces of darkness. That doesn't mean the end for us. It just means that we must continue to do what we know how to do, namely, go after God. At the end of the day, you know, you could ask me, Rabbi, what do you do in these times, in these seasons of life? Only thing I know how to do in the seasons that look like all hell is breaking loose against you is this. Go after God. It's the only thing I know how to do. Seek the Lord. Worship him. Pray to him. Right? Go after God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Keep your heart clean before him. That's the only thing I know how to do. I can't tell you what else to do, but I know this, that God is faithful. And if you go after God with all your heart, if you say, God, I am not letting go, I'm going to get a hold of you and hang on for dear life, God will not disappoint you. Because guess what? The good happens to us. And maybe you're going to have a barbecue later or something. Enjoy some family. Spread a little good news of Yeshua. Or maybe you're in the midst of a hellish time in your life. Doesn't mean you're doing the wrong thing. It means that the enemy always opposes the work of God. So far we've seen the good and the bad. And now we're going to see the delivered. Amen? Around midnight, Shaul and Silo were praying and singing hymns to God. While the other prisoners listened attentively, suddenly there was a violent earthquake which shook the prison to its foundations. 
All the doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer awoke and when he saw the doors open, he drew his sword and he's about to kill himself now. For he assumed that the prisoners had escaped, but Shaul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. We're still here. Calling for lights, the jailer ran in, began to tremble, and fell down in front of Shaul and Silah. And then leading them outside, he said, Men, what must I do to be saved? They said, Trust in the Lord Yeshua, and you will be saved, you and your household. Whereupon they told him and everyone in his household the message about the Lord. Then... Even at that late hour of night, the jailer took them and washed off their wounds, and without delay, he and all his people were immersed. After that, he brought them up to his house and set food in front of them, and he and his entire household celebrating their having come to trust in God. Here, the guy that's in charge to keep him locked up is now feeding him food and tending to his wounds. The deliverance of the Lord. The next morning, the judges sent police officers with the order, release those men. The jailer told Shaul, the judges have sent word to release both of you, so come out and go on your way in peace. But Shaul said to the officers, you you flogged us in public. You just want us to go secretly now? Because now he's going to get vindication as well. Not only is he going to get delivered, but he's going to get vindicated as well. You think you could flog me in private and just scoot me off? Because you saw the power of God? No, that's not going to happen like that. Then they came, it says, and apologized to them. Then after escorting them out, requesting them to leave the city, and from prison they went to Lydia's house, and after seeing and encouraging the brothers, they departed. Wow, what a weekend. (laughs) What a time of ministry in Philippi, huh? He had the good, the bad, and now he's delivered. Here's what we could take away from this passage when things turned from bad to worse. The first thing is we find Shaul and Silah worshiping God. And I want to say this, worship God in your distress. You hear me? Worship God in your distress, in the midst of of your distress. Not worship God. I don't mean worship God when things get better. When you see the light at the end of the tunnel. No, worship God in your distress. Friend, we all know what it's like to be having a despairing sickness in the middle of of your spirit. In that moment, worship God. When you feel forsaken and abandoned like God doesn't hear you, Worship God. When you feel like it can't get any worse, and it does, worship God. Worship God in your distress. We find Shaul and Silah worshiping God while in the deepest, darkest prison. We too should be worshipers of God in our darkest hour as well. We will never be able to worship God in the challenging times if we don't do it in the good times. Friends, there's some of us who can't worship God now. How in the world are we going to worship God when we find ourselves in a situation like Shaul? My my exhortation to us, each of us, is become worshipers of God. Know how to get into God's presence. 
Know how to feel that sweet, enveloping presence of God. And don't do it just on Shabbat or just on Wednesdays, every day. Learn how to do it. The second thing we see is don't be quick to run away from your pain. You hear me? Don't be quick, quick to run away from your pain. Shaul did not run and leave as soon as the door cells flew open and his chains fell off, did he? Matter of fact, that's what the jailer was afraid of. And he, he, he yelled out to the jailer, Hey, friend, friend, we're still here. We're not going anywhere. Don't you worry. I'm not leaving. Don't be too quick to run away from your pain. Shaul does not run away, but he stays. And God had a plan in his pain. You hear me? God had a plan in his pain. And it was a plan that goes beyond personal comfort and convenience. It's a plan that goes beyond self-deliverance. God had a plan, a bigger plan, and that was to bring his message to others at the expense. This is the part we don't, these are things, friends, let's get real, that we don't like to talk about. After all, we're the American Kehillah. This came at the expense of Shaul's physical comfort. He was beaten half to death. He was discomforted greatly. And who knows if he didn't have lasting effects of that beating that he received many years into the future. But it came at that expense, and Shaul was willing to do it. So don't be quick to run away from your pain. God wanted to reach those outside of the community. You see, God wasn't just content because Shaul had success down in the prayer meeting with the Jewish folks, didn't he? God wasn't content with that. God had a plan for the nations as well. God wanted to reach those outside the community and see the region impacted for his glory. God had a plan even in the midst of the personal pain Shaul was experiencing. I want to tell you, as difficult as it is when you're going through personal pain, you have to understand that God still has a plan. Scripture says it. Do you know, don't you know, in, in, there's casualties in war. Why are you encouraged to put on armor if you're not engaging the enemy? You are. And in the engagement with the enemy, friends, you get nicked up. You get hurt. You get bruised. You get weary. You take a few hits. But it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for God to use you for his glory. Is 